This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. I'm John McElroy, and welcome to AutoLine This Week, where we're going to be talking about pickups, especially electric pickups, for getting all the headlines right now. But they might have a hard time gaining acceptance from full-size pickup buyers because they are the most conservative buyers in the marketplace. And to talk about that today, I'm joined by Warren Brown from Warren Brown Consulting, who's been looking into the pickup segment, he told me, since 1976. Warren, great to have you on the show with us today. Nice to be here. Also joining us on the journalist panel are Lindsey Brook from SAE International and Bob Gritzinger from Ward's Intelligence. Hello, Lindsey and Bob. Hello, hey. John. Hello, everyone. Good to Good see to you, have you guys here. Warren, let's get into this, this whole discussion of electric pickups. You did a, a deep dive into it recently, and you seem to be a little bit skeptical that these things are going to catch on, at least in big numbers. And, of course, the industry needs these things to sell in the volume to be able to make a profit on them. Why are you skeptical? Well, the the pickup segment, the full-size pickup segment, is, is the segment for uh, the, the market. It has the highest volume, arguably the highest profit. Um, and the level of complexity within the segment in terms of the variants that are offered, the range of variants that are offered, um, again, are the most complex in the market. So it, it offers the full-size pickup customer a full range of whatever it is that they want, from gasoline to diesel uh, to some even doing hybrids. So these new BEVs, these electric-only uh, entries, will be coming into the market facing um, an all-American segment, right, that, that is identified as an all-American segment. And they're going to have to pr- to prove themselves. And the initial entries are um, high-priced. They're limited in the range of offerings that they're providing, especially to fleet customers. Um, and uh, b- because of that, including the high price, the acceptance will be there, but it's going to be slow. Yeah, when you talk about price, you did a comparison of nine different electric pickups that are coming into the market. Uh, You looked at what the average transaction price will be, not the base price, the average transaction price. Once people start loading them up with things, you included incentives And your report says that the average electric pickup is going to cost $20,000 more than the average piston-powered pickup. Correct. And, and, you know, full-size pickup customers today are used to roaming the lots, uh, looking at inventory, which is enormous, uh, and uh, doing deals, including discounts and incentives offered on full-size pickups today. And it'll be going forward in the future. So they're going to walk in uh, either uh, on the Internet with these new startup companies or in modified showrooms wherever they end up. And they're going to have a little sticker shock. Um, It is about twenty thousand dollars higher. Most of them, most of them other than Tesla will get incentives 
but still, even with those incentives, the average transaction price is going to be a little bit of a sticker shock here. Warren, could you break it down a little bit uh, between incumbents? We know the big three are working on BEV pickup trucks, and we've got this slew of newcomers, you know, starting with Tesla, certainly, and people buy those vehicles for certain reasons, but we've got Workhorse, we've got Lordstown Motors, we've got Rivian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to be up against the dealer uh, bodies, the, uh, the legacy of GM, Ford, and FCA. Uh, do you see any difference there in terms of possible success, the, the incumbent trucks versus the newcomers? Well, let's do, let's do two buckets. I, 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 I looked at this thing in terms of two major buckets. One, the bucket of um, products that are going to compete against gasoline and diesel engines in the traditional showroom. That's one bucket. Then the other bucket are the startups where, you know, the the distribution mechanism is wide open, um, et cetera. So the people that will have the most difficult time are the F-150 um, and the Silverado. I don't think Sierra is going to do it. And Hummer. In that, the customer will walk into the showroom and that trade-off will be much more stark against a gasoline-powered engine uh, that's much, much lower priced. And if they have a lot of inventory, those salespeople are going to want to move those products. When you get onto the BEV side or electric only, that competition doesn't exist. Those what the industry calls diversions, they won't happen. They're going to walk in knowing full well that my only competition is another electric vehicle in my lineup. And therefore, they'll look at those products differently. The trade-off on operating cost and maintenance will be less for the new startups in terms of telling the story. It will be much more difficult for the more traditional manufacturers to, to tell that story in the showroom. It, it seems like the new guys are playing off the fleet buy. Uh, in some cases, to be able to sell that sell that low maintenance, you know, sell a hundred Rivians to a fleet buyer, and they've got immediately they've got no oil, fuel, etc. Well, let's let's talk about the fleet buyer for a moment. Fleet buyers aren't going to buy seventy thousand dollar pickup trucks. There's no purchasing manager in the world that I'm aware of in the business that I've been in for forty years. That's going to say, well, you know, I know it's $20,000 higher, but let's just go after them and, and, and do this. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't get some fleet sales, but the, I don't see this as a fleet customer product, one, because of the price. But in the long run, the maintenance costs are going to be less. Uh, and the operating cost in terms of fuel economy are going to be less, but that's down the road. That's down the road. So I, I, I don't see this. And you know what? A hundred units, a thousand units. It's not going to it's going to break these companies if that's the volume. There, there's no overriding United States infrastructure in terms of incentives, um, a national distribution on charging stations um, that says this is what we're going to do. Now, maybe Biden will do it. Maybe he won't. But they're at the, at the moment, they're fighting an uphill battle that is enormous. So they'll be a niche player, and they'll be a much more of a niche player in the fleet market. It, it 
seems to me, though, Warren, what's maybe missing from all of this is that sort of Tesla effect where um, people come into this market specifically looking for an alternative vehicle and, and they are willing to pay that extra upfront cost. And, and we're also looking at, you know, I mean, uh, $100,000 navigators and I just drove up $110,000 Cadillac Escalade. You know, people are leasing. They're not going to buy. So is that, that dollar, that uh, pricing that critical? Uh, Bob, I, 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 I think it's a good point. And before I get there, I want to come back to one fleet point where I think they will have a chance, and it's a high-risk strategy. If they do a fleet with a buyback, mm. meaning meaning we'll take them back after a certain period of time, which means, means they're giving the fleet customer a little bit of a lease here in terms of the buyback, I think they'll have much more of an opportunity in terms of getting that transaction done at the point of the sale versus saying, well, you know, after five years, you're really going to get a payback. Fleet managers don't think that way. They think about the downstroke. Now, going to a regular retail customer, when we've looked at the data, there's above 60,000 units in the pickup market. There's about 40,000, uh, there's uh, above, above 60,000. There's uh, 195,000 pickup trucks sold above 60,000. Okay. Right? But when you boil that down to half ton only, because a lot of those trucks above 60 are sold in three-quarter and one-ton versions. Mm -hmm. So you have to take those out of the picture because the BEV isn't going to satisfy that requirement for that customer. So if you take a look at half ton only, we're looking at 95,000 vehicles, full-size pickups, sold above 60. That's a pretty good volume. That's a pretty good volume. But it's rare earth. It's rare air up there. Mm -hmm. So when you're coming into that market of 95,000 units with nine new entries, two of which are from the Detroit Three, you're facing some pretty tough competition. And so our estimate right now, by 2024, but 2023, I think we gave mm -hmm. the, the estimate at, is they will have an absolute success story if the combined group sells 40,000 units total. That'd be a home run. Okay. Well, you can't call that a, a home run, well, as you know. I mean, yeah. at 40,000 units split nine different ways, no one's going to make money. If I could just jump in, we're we're forecasting through LMC Automotive, our our forecasting partner at Words Intelligence, um, a, a volume and not that much, sixty five thousand in twenty twenty three. Um, so you know, a sixty three percent higher than your number. Uh, I'm, I, and and we could go around and what fits sure. that. Uh, that doesn't include. Uh, electric ram volume which you know we've had this this drop from mike manley saying that fca is going to build an electric ram and we don't have any volume for that in 2023 but it starts to ramp up in in 24 and then uh and we have this volume doubling over that decade so um uh, a little bit higher numbers 
um, and one extra truck in there, as well as uh, we are counting some Sierra volume. Sierra or, or Hummer? Sierra, uh, traditional all, Sierra. It's traditional Sierra, basically the Silverado, you know. So, oh, um, the, but again, it's, as you point out, small volume split between, in this case, 10 or 11 brands, models. This is how that I, I see the split in terms of BEV. The ones with the most chance for success, I list as Rivian, Lordstown, and Nicola for, for different reasons. One major thing is that they're associated either with Ford or General Motors or Amazon in terms of the support of the volume, okay? Um, so I look at Rivian um, and uh, Nicola and Lordstown as the startup have the most opportunity. The other two, Cybertruck and Atlas, are wild cards for different reasons. Cybertruck is a wild card because it just doesn't fit the full-size pickup mold. Full-size pickup buyers want masculine-looking trucks that they can park in their driveway, take to church, and take on a camping trip. Mm -hmm. those, are the, those are the fundamentals of why they buy that. I don't see Cybertruck fitting that mold in terms of a wild card. However, just like the original minivans, the demand for Cybertruck, given its price, assuming that Musk is accurate on his price and he's done nothing but lower his price since he's gotten to the market. So you got to take a look at that avenue, right? Given the Cybertruck's price, it may generate volume, just like the minivan did, from outside the traditional segment. So my bandwidth on Cybertruck is very, very wide, and they're the highest volume entry in my forecast. Because they're going to potentially generate stuff from outside the full-size pickup segment. The other wild card is Atlas. The specifications for Atlas are, are benchmarks in terms of product availability that full-size pickup buyers look like, uh, like in terms of towing capacity, range of 500 miles to get recharged in 15 minutes. Those are all pretty interesting benchmarks if you're taking a look at success factors for a BEV. However, they don't have a production site and they don't have any money. So I don't, I don't know where they're going to get any money other than doing their buck. So that's a wild card. So you're looking at volumes, even if you go out to your 65,000 unit forecast and, you know, forecasters can debate all day. Yeah. But even if I take yours at 65,000, you got to have a, a pretty good volume in there for Cybertruck. These, these entries don't survive at three and 4,000 units apiece. They will only survive as a company if they have SUV alternatives and they have van alternatives. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that they're going to make it. And, and what is, is it safe to say that uh, we're talking about full-size, traditional full-size, half-ton and larger pickups here? John and I were out driving the new hybrid F-150 last week. Uh, and we both kind of talked about the vehicles we drove were $80,000, and that wasn't even the King Ranch 
you know, highest trim level version that was a couple clicks down from that. And they have some they have some attributes. Uh, there's a kind of mobile power station attribute that this truck has that could be compelling, whether it's compelling enough to warrant fifteen to twenty thousand dollar price premium. I'm not sure about that, but it it plays well in the showroom. It would play well at a camping show or that kind of thing. But uh, is it safe to say that we're talking about? This electrification really not being practical for midsize and smaller trucks, just because industry can't really get profit out of those vehicles right now, right? A, cu a couple of things. Remember, in my 40,000 units, there isn't an F-150 hybrid. That's a competitor to BEV. That's a showroom alternative that will mitigate the volume on the F-150. Okay. Now, in, in terms of whether it's a full size or a midsize, I think the biggest disadvantage is with any manufacturer who's trying to do a BEV off of a traditional platform. I, I think that that's burning capital, and I think that it's burning engineering resources. The best chance that they have, um, and I haven't taken a look at the, the characteristics of Hummer, I don't know if it's on the old platform or not because I haven't been that deep into Hummer. No, I've, been I've been concentrating on Rivian and, and Nicola. But uh, the best chance for even the Detroit 3 is to have a platform that's exclusive BEV. Exclusive, whether they have to license the technology from someone else, right? Uh, uh, and rebadge a particular platform or whatever, that to me is the most effective strategy that you can do until it starts to take off, as Bob said, somewhere after 2024. Yeah. Otherwise, you're burning capital and engineering. Uh, that that Even Mary Barra said, oh, now that we're making all this money on full-size pickup trucks, we can divert some of that money to BEVs. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if I was the CFO at, 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 at General Motors where I'd be advocating that. I'd be looking for a Nicola solution, badged Silverado, or a Rivian solution, badged F-150, in order to begin to get the effective manufacturing synergies where you can take all that all that assembly cost out to the, the purchasing efficiencies, get all that cost out. And have those as your entries at the moment. I'm hoping I'm answering your question, uh, Lindsay. They're burning capital on trying to do, whether it's a midsize or a full size, they're burning capital and burning engineering time. Yeah, yeah but Warren, I, I would jump in and say, I think they're going to be doing both. Uh, GM's new Ultium platform right. uh, is exactly what you're talking about. Purpose-built, that's what the Hummer is going to be on. That's oh, what a okay. whole slew of pickups and SUVs, including products for Honda, are going to come off that platform. But I, I want to go back a little bit. I, I totally agree with you about your assessment of Tesla. It could bring people into the pickup segment that would have never considered a traditional pickup. And I, I, I think Tesla, I, what are they claiming? 500,000 hand raisers have already said they, they want the thing. For a but, dollar. And, and for a dollar. Could, for a dollar. For a dollar. <laughs> nonetheless, if, if I, I could go just interject, Jen, we, we do have uh, the Cybertruck at the top of our volume for these electric pickups. So um, just. But but a point I wanted to, to bring out uh, from your report 
and, and I thought that this really was very interesting. Uh, a full-size bed, four feet by eight feet, is what really defines the full-size pickup segment. So you can lay a, a four by eight sheet of plywood down in there, totally flat, and none of these BEVs so far have got a bed of that size. Plus, they have limited cabs. They, they have just, I guess, a, a regular crew cab or a, a crew cab. They do not have a regular cab, which is what the fleets really like because it's less expensive. Exactly. They, they don't have extended cabs or chassis cabs. So from that very standpoint, it would seem those things would limit the sales of these BEVs unless they go to different size cabs and bigger beds in the future. Yeah, and and they they will have the capacity if they're doing an exclusive BEV, they will have the capacity to get that done. Whether they can get up into the three quarter and one ton range, I'm not sure. Okay, but as as a half ton, you could offer variants, ex except that you're coming out of the chute uh, at a high price. Okay. And you're going to establish a perception of those vehicles at $2 a gallon that you're going to be fighting an uphill battle to say, oh, now let's do an extended cab because the demand's so good. Or let's do a, uh, a fleet version because uh, we're going to make more profit on that. It's a tough. Now, I, I don't disagree with starting at a high price, but you have to take the volume that's going to generate. And the enthusiasm that it's going to generate. And re re remember, Tesla is a very successful company. I was I was down on Tesla at the beginning. Successful company. But the Model X um, and the Model S still sell low volume. <laughs> right? True. It's the Model yeah. 3 that's, that's made Tesla. Yeah. So uh, what I don't see is, you know, and I, I've seen it in Hummer. I'm not picking on Hummer. Uh, but they're going to start out at 112000 And then a couple of years later, they're going to have what? An $80,000 version? They could die before then. Hmm. Okay. Um, Tesla has proven through even its recent price reductions. Musk understands I got to have a price that people, when they're shopping on the internet, or shopping in a showroom, they're within hand grenade range of a gasoline version as a competitor. Okay, and 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 having a full size pickup truck that goes three point nine mile, uh, three point nine seconds zero to sixty. It's interesting, but there's also full size pickup trucks with gasoline engines that do that now. Okay, they go at least five seconds zero to 60. So the only people that are going to be monitoring that stopwatch are the police on, on the side of the road. Full-size pickup truck buyers don't buy speed. They buy towing capacity, payload capacity, and as John mentioned, four by eight beds. To start at, to start at a high price is a, is a very risky strategy. I, I think, again, we're, we're talking about what we know as the traditional uh, pickup truck buyer, and potentially the buyers of these trucks are a completely different animal, very much like buyers of Teslas have been all along. Uh, and they may, you know, if, if you're uh, uh, in California 
you may value a three and a half second zero to 60 in your wicked zero emission pickup truck. Uh, you know, but um, I know that this is all about trucks, but uh, the next step that you need to research, it seems like is the, the meat of the market. What are they going to do with, you know, the midsize CUVs and, and that may be where the real power play is. Oh, look, I, I, I think CUVs, SUVs, and vans, mm -hmm. delivery vans, transit um, have, the yeah. have the highest potential. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Uh, pickups? Pickups are high volume, high profit, complex products. This, these BEVs don't hit that sweet spot, okay? Right. And and really, uh, Warren, the the um, you could say one of the weaknesses of the startups is really more on the body engineering side. You know the competencies that the big three have had all these years to be able to, uh, you know, redesign new cabs and mix and match beds and and cargo beds and cabs and so forth. They'd almost have to rely on. Uh, the startups would have to rely on the incumbents for that capability because they don't have it. Is that fair to say? And Warden, we need a quick answer. We're down to the very end here. A absolutely. E even the most savvy, seasoned engineer, chief engineer at the Detroit Three needs to split that three-quarter volume from the one-ton volume in order to get that half-ton pickup truck to market in a hurry, right? Mm -hmm. The complexity even within that savvy group is tough. So, yes, I agree. They'll have to come and have some type of marriage on maybe battery technology and, and platform technology on a BEV with the body technology that the Detroit 3 can bring. I agree with that. And with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Boy, this has been a great discussion. I can't wait to see how these electric pickups roll out. We're going to be keeping a keen eye on that. Warren Brown, thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge with us. Really good discussion here today. Thank you. And Lindsey Brook from SAE International, Bob Gritzinger from Ward's Intelligence, thank you both as well. Thanks for having me, John. And thank, thank all of you on, for having tuned in. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.